Welcome to Buy the Books, the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business, tax, and bookkeeping. Now, to the owner and president of Secline, Lindsay Klein. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This is Lindsay Klein with Secline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time and your host of Buy the Books. I'm here today with Benjamin Gerald, who is the principal and co-founder of Audible FG, an advisor, a coach, an author, and a public speaker. Did I get it all in? Absolutely. That was a mouthful. That was very good. So Benjamin and I met through our networking group, and we went on a face-to-face for the first time. That's what we call it in our networking group, the face-to-face. Not to be... um, What's the the the, ba- the other networking group that's a competitor? Not to be confused with the one to one. Not a one to one. That no, it's no. A we're the face to face. It's like a belly to belly, but it's a face to face. Yeah, we would not want to confuse it with the belly to belly. No, Benjamin. that's an awkward. That's an awkward <laughs> networking meeting. <laughs> anyway, we did our face to face. I don't know, maybe about a month ago yeah, for the first fun. time, and. It got later than what we originally planned it. I forgot what happened, but it got pushed later in the afternoon yeah. to like happy hour time. And you're like, it's, it's time for be- drinks. That's the best time to do a face-to-face. Apparently. Is, obviously. Because we ended up with margaritas. Right. And, and, and mar- that margaritas make every conversation better. better. Absolutely. Yes. And nachos. You got to have nachos and queso. But Well, and I can't do that right now. So thanks for throwing that out there. I'll be enjoying some queso. <laughs> just in your honor of you, what you can't thanks. do. I can live vicariously through your taste buds. Yes, absolutely. Um, so that might have been like the most fun face-to-face that I've ever had, actually. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll, <laughs> I'll go ahead and take credit for that one. Absolutely. I laughed a lot. It was so much fun. Yeah. So I told Benjamin, I need the happy hour Benjamin today, not the networking Oh, it'll be and completely probably... bland and dry today. So this, this will be <laughs> no, probably the worst no, podcast no, no. you've, you've no, ever no, hosted. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. Okay. And probably both of us, when we get to the networking group, we're more formal. We're more formal. We have a little more, I think, more professional formalities. Yes. Not just formal, but they're formality. A little business etiquette. A little, yeah. little less candid. Yeah. Not today. No. Today we're today we're to doing we're going to tap in and I wish we had margaritas right now actually. I, I actually I do. Like... I, for me, I, I don't know if you, but there's just a small of them. <laughs> I enjoy it, but just, it looks like I'm talking into my shoulder. <laughs> salt. So this should get really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Then. All right, you came prepared. This is good. All right, so you have a good topic today. Basically, having the end in mind, right? The exit strategy, which you have a way more eloquent way of saying it. So go ahead and say well, it. Well, no, see, a lot of businesses, they No, get, no, no. What? Just the title. The title is business succession planning. There you go. But what's your end game? Just like right. the Avengers, the end war, you need to have an end game in sight. So um, to date, as of right now, aside from my Eminem episode- which yes. I, I teach accounting with M&Ms. That's right now our top video on Is YouTube. Okay. But number two, which was number one until the M&M episode, was Kurt Coyne, who talked about, is your business sellable? Yeah. So apparently, business owners really like this topic or are interested in this topic. So this is good. Absolutely. I think the reason why is just because there aren't a lot of resources out there for business owners to know about this type of topic. They, 
This is one that usually gets left kind of in the blinders because you're so in the moment of what needs to be done now, it's hard to kind of look too far into the future. But what you'll find is it's a very critical part. And at the end of the day, if you don't do it, you'll eventually face it. You're, it's kind of like when you people kind of think about the long-term future about retiring. You're going to retire one day. It's going to happen. Well, says who? But have you planned Benjamin, it? Benjamin, I'm not retiring. <laughs> no. It, no. Well, you're going to retire into the earth at some point. <laughs> you might not retire from your job. Well, okay, so I'll say this. That is one thing that Kurt told me that I'll never forget because he told me there's going to be an exit at some point. Exactly. It could be because you're dead, but there's going to be an exit. Well, they say every business, there's one of three Ds. It either comes from disability, you become disabled and you can no longer do your job, your business. You're going to die. That's a death. Well, that's a pretty final uh, part of your business uh, or divorce and some people call it a deal maybe you break away from your company you sell your company but one of those three is guaranteed to happen that's a good you point. just don't know when right so when that time comes whatever the means you want your business to be as valuable as possible right well you you want to have your business in a place that you want it ultimately to be it might not be the most valuable you might actually want the part where some folks love to take a business and sell it at its lowest point to take the loss some people love to do that for all kinds of Interesting. strategies but other folks generally speaking you want your business to be in the best possible way to either pass it on to someone else so you could still receive that income as a royalty or as some type of buyout plan or alternatively you might want it worth so much that you just sell it to someone else and that you've got one big lump sum cash payout. But at the end of the day, what is your plan for the long game? That's really the big question. Okay. So what do you recommend to, to the average business owner that doesn't have a clue what the plan is? Yeah, so They're just trying to survive today. <laughs> right. A lot of business owners, when you're getting started, you first are trying to identify what's your product service you're going to offer, um, what's the market you're going to serve. How profitable can you become in, in how much time? But you really don't think long-term. Uh, everyone's great at thinking sometimes what their vision or goals would be for the next year or two years, but they're horrible five, 10, 15 years down the road. So for a lot of business owners, what you wanna do is try to think, how do I really want this to go over the long-term? Uh, if you wanna sell this company at some point, would you wanna sell it to a competitor? Would you wanna sell it to a worker? There could be someone who rises up through the ranks of your business, and at some point you realize, you know what? I want to leave this behind to them. I actually had a client that just did that. Um, he and his partner started a printing company, owned it for years. One of the partners died, and the other now wants to retire. And one of their longstanding employees, they he sold the company to him. So I'm actually watching this in process as we speak. It's really fascinating, actually. So we're getting to do bookkeeping soon for the new owner who has been a long-term employee, but never a business owner. And at the end of the day, when there are opportunities that if you could have thought about that beforehand, not you, but the business owner, I uh -huh. thought about that beforehand, had they really put themselves in the best possible spot mm -hmm. for that specific scenario? So you ask the question, you want to make the company as worth as much as possible. That might be it. But whatever is that end goal that you want, have you put yourself in a position to plan for that? There are a lot of, actually, a lot of other companies that are family-owned. Mm -hmm. I've got four kids myself. There are sometimes I've thought, would I want to leave this behind for one of my children? Because a lot of times we see kids rise up through the ranks, and then they take over the company. 
But again, it's all part of the planning process. Have you really thought about that? And there are so a lot of tools. So how would planning, you if you think you're going to pass it down to your children, how would that planning be different from I want to sell it for as much as possible just to the highest bidder? Sure. I think what you have to think is what is what are you looking to get out of the company? Um, a lot of businesses, I, I've got an example. There was a um, small little, uh, they did farmland agriculture. Uh, and they didn't have any kids, but what they wanted to do was grow this business, and then because the work required such hard labor, at some point they knew their body, their strength, they just wanted to be able to keep up with the physical demands. And it was a couple, they were married, and for them, what the husband realized at some point he knew his wife wasn't gonna be taking it over either, so they were thinking, how do we still generate income later, but we don't wanna give up all of the equity in the company. Because they knew that long-term, meaning when they retire at 70, they might live another 20, 30 years. The value of that could grow immensely in that time. Sure. And it could grow immensely under new direction. So how do they still own a piece of that equity and that grows? So that's part of the planning process is, what's the end game that you want to achieve? Is it uh, royalties or income perpetually uh, that you don't have to worry about running the business, but the business is still paying you? Or are you trying to grow the business to be able to sell it? Uh, you look in today's world of M&A, mergers and acquisitions happen all the time. Big conglomerates are always buying up a great idea, especially in today's age of the Googles and the Facebooks. And uh, just recently, you, you talk about some known um, gaming communities. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but uh, just recently, Activision, which made a huge series of Call of Duty, Microsoft just bought them out. There are a lot of big companies that that's their exit plan is build up an idea. It's like flipping a house and sell that idea. So how do you build up that idea, build up as much equity as you can into it, but then be in a position to sell it? So a lot of times, and you ask the question, how do you prepare for that? Um, the first has to be, you've got to surround yourself with folks who are experts in these areas because you're an expert with your business, but do you have a board of advisors that looks for all your blind spots and mm. where is it you're not looking? A lot of times a blind spot as we're driving in a car, you look and say, you can't see that one far right corner that unless you craned your head all the way backwards, you still can't see that. And that's one of the most dangerous places in a car. For a lot of businesses, the blind spot is the area that you won't be able to see, even if you tried to look. But maybe you've got an advisor, trusted group that can help you with that. So, and speaking of advisors, I did want to talk about another a lot of times folks get their advisors together, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, and you've got kids, right? Yes. Um, have you ever had your kids just bicker with each other? Uh, yeah, every and day. Every day, right? Now, are you, when you say advisor, do you advise on how to fix this issue? Absolutely. Like To me, the advisors could be advisors that focus on financial, <clears throat> mm -hmm. investments, accounting, taxes. And kids bickering? And when it comes to kids bickering, this is my uh, corollary, is you've got kids that bicker and you just wish they would get along. Yes. The yes, same, I do. The same happens with advisors. Sometimes you can have advisors and your CPA is arguing and going, no, don't do that. Your attorney is all saying, no, no, don't do that. You've got to find a group of advisors that work well together, not mm. bicker with each other. So that's how I, I usually equate that is if you're a business owner and you've got advisors, the first question you have is, do you guys work with each other? You're paying for those advisors. Shouldn't you have them working together, not working like your children? Okay, devil's advocate here. Yes. I learn from debates. Absolutely. 
So if I have a conversation going on where the CPA is arguing with the attorney, and this happens, right? Because the attorney is coming from the liability standpoint. Legal, yeah. The CPA is coming from a tax standpoint. Yeah. And oftentimes those don't meet. Absolutely. So, but I learned through that process of them arguing the schematics of an issue. So I almost would rather have those situations in some ways where I can learn and I make the decision based on hearing different points and perspectives on the issue. Sure. Now, when I said bicker, that doesn't mean that you can't have civil discourse, which means that you've got varying points that the question is, are they working together or I equate a lot of times to sports. You're a quarterback. Your quarterback has a lot of different tools. They could throw the ball. They could run the ball. They've got an offensive line. But what they really want is everyone moving in the same direction. It doesn't help if the two are fighting with each other because, no, I know the better way to do it. So constructively. Constructively. No, you absolutely want diverse backgrounds where they're all not yes men like or yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yes. No, we'll do whatever you want. No, you want contrasting because that gives you the best of both worlds to really identify what's the most optimal solution. Okay. That makes sense. But you want them to be able to work together, not, uh, you know, a lot of times people sling mud or, oh, don't trust this person. Or this person said something bad. It's so, it doesn't help anything if all of a sudden people are downing each other's opinions versus that's an interesting contrasting opinion, but maybe we should take this in consideration. And then the other party goes, you know, that's actually an interesting point, but we probably should take this into consideration. That's a much better process than, oh, don't do this. That guy's crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. (laughs) You've seen that, right? Well, and sometimes it's merited, to be honest. Okay, so I deal with a lot of CPAs on the regular. I'll apologize in advance. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of them come on this show. Yeah. And sometimes there was one time in particular, and I'm not naming any names, but somebody on the show. Bob. Sure. (laughs) I hope I'm thinking, have I ever had a Bob on the show? I'm not naming any names. Um, In the middle of the show, he starts saying something that I know is wrong. I know it's wrong. And it's so awkward because we're in the middle of recording a podcast. And I'm I'm approaching it like, well, um, actually... Didn't that change? <laughs> you know, he kept insisting, like arguing with me, like right. that he was right. And so I was like, in my head, I'm going, I cannot put this out there because I know he is wrong. Um, so I was like, well, why don't let, let me just look it up, right? So oh wow! Fact checking during the meeting. <laughs> yes. What do you really? do in this situation? I'm like, I I need this to be correct. I'm not going to throw out information well, I know is wrong. No, you're absolutely right. Now, that's a different scenario when you're obviously publishing a podcast. So you want to make sure the information is accurate and yeah. reliable for everyone. But, but, I, I'll, but you also have to realize human is infallible. Like at the end of the day, there's it's impossible to be perfect about everything. And there are probably a lot of advisors we all have in our buckets that say some erroneous things. Yes. That doesn't mean you fire them. But the right advisor, you're able to address and go, I'm not sure. And they either own up to it or if they don't own up to it. Well, he did argue with me, but I had to show him in black and white. I'm and like, then, and then how did he respond after, after he saw that? How, after how did he, he respond? After he read it, then he reneged. Oh, okay. I didn't realize. Well, that just changed. So <laughs> I'm thinking you knew what we were going to talk about today. W- w- like, would you not have caught up on 
Yeah. Topic? Yeah, possibly it's just so, the uh the So this all this to say I'll give you another example. I have a networking group just for bookkeepers. It sounds exciting. Shut up. <laughs> it is exciting. It's very exciting, Benjamin. Anyway. Yeah, I've got a networking group of all attorneys. Let me tell you about that. <laughs> anyway. Sounds like a story. A maybe. priest, a rabbi, <laughs> walk in the bar with a networking group of bookkeepers. Well, okay, so last month I had a CPA ask if he could attend our meeting. I'm like, sure, that would be great. It would be great to get a CPA's perspective. He was absolutely delirious, yes, go ahead. So we had one particular issue. All the bookkeepers agreed, the CPA disagreed. Oh, wow. He was telling us we were all wrong, the whole table of bookkeepers. Shocking. Shocking to hear a CPA that adamant about their position. we were all leaving that meeting, like, and I just ended the conversation with, all right, this is our homework this month. Let's all go to our research. We'll reconvene next month and come back with our findings. Yeah. We all came back with our findings that this guy is still wrong. He's still wrong. Well, we had a new CPA... And this was just last night, our second meeting. He came and agreed with us. They're both CPAs, totally separate opinions, right? right. So, well, no, I think I think you just hit the word on the. It's an opinion, yes, not necessarily a, a judgment. Fact, a judgment. It's a perception of their understanding of whatever rule or standing or whatever you're referring yes. to. So it's an opinion. So that's so subjective in its nature. I'm leading up to the question of how do people know, even if they have advisors, how do people know they're getting good advice? You know, that's actually a great question. And a lot of times folks just, I, I can't tell you how many times I come across clients that say, I'm already, I'm, so, I'm all set. I've got an advisor, everyone. And you ask, well, would it, would it help to just have a second opinion? Yes. Right. And, and the I think it, always yes. the answer is yes. And I think a lot of folks don't necessarily take that as a yes. I think there are a lot of times folks just have an implied trust that, well, my advisor knows everything. It might be worth your while to get a second opinion because there is a saying you don't know what you don't know. And what you probably should say is your advisor doesn't, doesn't know, know what your advisor doesn't know. A lot of folks have specialties in a specific lane. But just because they're an expert in the lane doesn't mean that lane hasn't changed and evolved. Right. Sometimes you've got to stay with the times. Yeah. Um, actually, especially in today's world. Today's it, world is rapidly changed. Yes, it is. Absolutely. I actually did a podcast episode. I think it's called something about the question that every CPA answers differently. Something like that. Because um, it was fascinating to me being in uh, in that scenario. It was a room full of CPAs. Another exciting group. Very, yeah. very exciting. <laughs> Um, and they couldn't agree on this one issue. So I was I was also in this other group with morticians. It was the most <laughs> fascinating group. And then it was uh, there was this Iris auditors. It was the auditors. It was the networking group of auditors. You you bring up all these exciting networking groups you're a part of. I actually would want to be in the auditors group. You probably would, would enjoy that. That yeah. actually I would be death taxes <laughs> evil. Yeah, no, this sounds like a great group to be a part of. Absolutely. Because every who doesn't love a good IRS? I, I actually I'll stop here. <laughs> I have to not draw any more scrutiny. But but isn't it kind of like getting the insider's information? Yeah, the IRS auditors. Well, if you That's, can get on the inside, no, absolutely. I uh, mean, without drawing their ire or scrutiny, I think they're wonderful people for all intents and purposes. <laughs> I think they're one of the most treasured professions and well-respected in, the, in all of theirs. And that's my final word. Oh, I, I would. That would be a meeting I'd walk around with the notebook. 
Oh, taking yeah. notes. Really? All right, what else do you want to talk about on exit strategy? No, I think if we were going to go back to for um, a lot of times when you're thinking down the road about that planning process, you've built the board of advisors that you have, the trusted advisors. You're looking for that blind spot. Like you're 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 wanting them to come up with their specific areas for that. Then how do you actually go take action on it? It's one thing to come up with, obviously, ideas of, oh, this is a big issue. You need to address it. How do you actually go do it? And I think that's always a challenge a lot of times is we get great advice from folks, but in our busyness, do we ever really take action on it? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, are there times that, for example, from the bookkeeping standpoint, that you're working with clients, you've made recommendations that they need to change software, uh, itemization, reporting, all of these things. Separate, separating personal and business. And, and my question is how the, the, the best clients are the ones that actually take that advice and run with it, right? Versus, yes, I know I need to do it. And then uh-huh. next month you're like, oh, by the way, and you're finding this as a repetitive pattern. I think that's mm-hmm. it's just, just human nature a lot of times. We, we have all of these goals. We have all these objectives. Mm-hmm. We have these advice that we're given. <clears throat> but how do we actually go and take action on them? Versus, well, it's kind of like my trainer who for weeks has been telling me to get my diet in better shape. Right. Which I was doing keto, so it wasn't horrible. But he doesn't think that that's the best route to go because it's dirty keto. I mean, let's face it, I was still eating crap. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I understand. I get it. But I still want to eat cheese and cheeseburgers and whatever else. Even though it's low carb, it's still junk. I get you but I like food. And so he's been trying for the longest time, but I finally went to a person that specializes in thyroid issues who then did the blood work and like showing me the the actual like problems, the inflammation, all this stuff. And then it's like, okay, I see. Yeah, all right. I'll actually start getting serious about eating healthier now. So it wasn't until then though, that I cared. You know, it's interesting. I think in that example that you just brought up, it's another that not just clients, but there are probably some advisors that are listening to this mm-hmm. this podcast and trying to relate with, I've been trying to tell my clients that. I don't mm-hmm. know why they're not listening from whether they're legal advisors, tax advisors, financial advisors, whatever's the sort. Uh, are you talking in their language? Mm. I, I think that is a, another area that, um, especially when you're working with businesses, you're working with kind of planning, you have to talk in their language. As you mentioned, other folks had tried to give you advice. It didn't resonate with you because no. the language for you that finally it looks like uh, resonated the most was science, was they had to put it in fact. Things yeah, that, that's true. Versus my opinion is you really should be doing this. But once the doctor went through and mm-hmm. said, no, these are the reasons why, and this is the science behind it, that resonated with you. That was speaking your yeah, language. That's true. Yeah, and it wasn't until I saw it in black and white that's like, no, this this is actually negatively affecting your health. Right. Yeah, you're right. So I think uh, a lot of times that's as you're working with those clients or you're trying to help give advice, you really got to find a way to talk in their language, whatever mm-hmm. that is. Um, and sometimes I think that's one of the advantages w- when you think about business succession planning is visualizing <clears throat> what that is. A lot of times we can talk about, well, what do you want to do when you retire? Well, I, I, I don't know. I'm 44 right now. I, I, what do you mean retire? I'm not going to, as you said, I'm never going to retire. <laughs> but the question is, all right, well, close your eyes. 
Imagine yourself now, 20 years from now, how big is your company? And we can talk through this. Uh, we'll do this right now with okay. the client. So 20 years from now, how many employees do you think you have? 2,000. 2,000 employees. So this is a massive firm that's grown, yes, right? absolutely. Uh, and what is your role in the company oh, 20 I'm years from now? completely out of it. You're I out of it. I am a you... silent partner, investor, yeah. Right. No, so, I'm already heading in that So in, in that you, you would not necessarily be considered an investor because you didn't invest in okay, it. You're well, a silent whatever. owner. Yeah, you're yeah, a passive silent, owner. Silent, passive, owner. however you want to word it. So you've now transferred over complete uh, uh, management of the company yes. to someone else, but you've still held equity in the company? Yes. So you're still owning it. Are you still getting income from yes. the company? Okay. Now, as we looked into the future with this 2000, 20 years from now, you have now wanted to always maintain till you die ownership of the company or do you expect to eventually turn over the company including ownership to someone else i don't know that i necessarily have any reason to and why would you say that i mean i guess it depends on what my strategy is into retirement as you say which for me i visualize my retirement just a transition of rather than the days that they look look like now, right? I'm I have busy days, sure. right? Okay, retirement age. I'm not going to be have the stamina that I have today as much as I'd love to think so, right? Right. So it probably is going to look more like more writing, sure. things like that. I really honestly don't think I'll ever retire, but it will look differently. Yeah, right? and that's a that's great because a lot of times retirement is such a big ambiguous term. Uh, I, I can agree with you. For me, I have varied interests of things I want to do in the future that wouldn't be retired. It'll be new businesses right, that I'm starting. Right. It'll be new right. hobbies that I've exactly. taken on. Right. New passions. Right. But that doesn't mean, the question is, do you still need to hold so, a piece of this past? Well, if I'm not having to do anything with it, I could keep it as continual residual income. Right. Or if whatever it is that I'm wanting to work on or do if I need capital more than I need residual constant income, then maybe it makes sense to sell it. Yeah, so what you'd wanna do is start planning how you, you have a flexible solution that okay. allows you to possibly sell it in the bit in the future because you don't have the need for the long-term income, but you'd rather get that big lump sum, be able to leverage that into some other. But some I other feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, the path to either of those would be the same, no? No, not necessarily. Um, if you're planning on selling the company eventually or uh, divesting all ownership that you have in it, you don't necessarily put things in place or agreements in place, especially as you start becoming a passive owner. Those contractual agreements are set in stone perpetually that you would always maintain, for example, 51% ownership or 49% ownership. but. What you might want to do is if you wanted to possibly sell it, you wouldn't set it up that you'd have that perpetual ownership. You could probably set it up in a way that you were getting a periodic set of payments to buy you out, that the company basically was paying you to buy out your okay. equity and your ownership. So contractually, there may be some differences, but right. in terms of the systems you put into place in the company, I would think the strategy would be the same. It's possible. I, I, it's a very ambiguous right now. The, the In your example, you want 2,000 employees. You want to be a passive owner. The question is, what are the probably legal ramifications for you to have a passive ownership but still be able to get residual income? What is the liability that you still hold in that? Um, and really also, 
what is the end game? Is it money or is it passing on something of value to your heirs? You've got kids. Would that be something that you'd want so to pass far, on to them? So far, none of them have the <laughs> least bit of interest in bookkeeping. It's kind of like with my dad. He has a masonry business, and I'm the oldest of six. Oh, wow. Okay. So my youngest sibling, my youngest brother, was born when I was 18. He is the first one that has shown any interest in my dad's business. So my dad had to go through <laughs> six ch- kids. Yeah, it's not to the sixth child. And the sixth child. Who- I'm like, Dad, I'll take it. <laughs> Talk about hand me down. You got hand me down through five kids, and finally the sixth one's like, all right, I'll take it. Yes. Because nothing else was left. Yes. <laughs> Everything else had been taken at that point. Yes. So finally, number six, he finds someone that wants to take his business. But um, so that could potentially be my youngest. She's only eight right now. But, we'll, we'll see. But when you say taking the business, that means running the business. <clears throat> right. Sometimes you might want to pass on the equity of the business to those heirs. Right. That yeah. that is positioned in a way that the value still continues yeah. to grow and is a resource to them their entire life. Again, it all comes down to how long do you want this value of the company to last for you? Would you rather cash out earlier? Would you rather have income streams just through your life? And there are some folks that do planning that want it to go all the way in perpetuity that for generations after generations. You look at some of the most wealthy generations, the Rockefellers, mm-hmm. the, 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 the magnets of the oil and steel and railroad industry, and those have continually passed generation to generation to generation. So you really have to identify mm-hmm. what's, the, what's your real purpose that you'd like to do. And then again, it goes back to what steps do you have to do? You've got to find out. You got to figure out which steps. How do you figure out what your end game is? I think part of it's just having these candid conversations with someone to go, like, what is your goal? Like, have you sat down and you know? Sometimes we get so busy in the moment, we actually don't take a second just to sit back and think, where am I headed well, with this? Well, and what, what if you legitimately do? don't know? It's like I. I could go any of those ways with it no, and right. be perfectly happy. And here's the thing. You'll never know definitively because always what happened, life happens. Right. So life could always happen. But it's kind of like if you and I were going to drive to California. Let's go. Would it be good for what us you to- doing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what, would it be good for us to know where we wanted to go generally? Like, so we at least didn't know. end up I in like New York. I like to live on the edge. <laughs> Vicariously. <laughs> vociferously I you know at the end of the day I think having a map and having a goal in mind is always there but you're right on our drive to California we might detour and swing through Denver we might go through Rocky Mountain State Park we might go all the way up to Seattle and realize you know what we'll get to California eventually but I heard there's a great music festival in Seattle so I think but generally knowing which direction you want to head helps but you've got to be flexible to understand that things might change Okay, so how does someone start? What's the questions you start asking yourself to at least get started on what is my end game? I think it, just like we went through right now, uh, visualize 20 years from now. In a, in a perfect scenario of wh- how you feel right now, what would you envision your business being? Uh, you, and the reason why we say 20 years is that's a pretty long time. If you think, and let's go back 20 years ago for both of us, I mean, I'm 24 at the time, uh, that's a different reality than I could have yeah. never imagined myself right. where I am today 20 right. years ago. Right. So that's a period of time that's long enough that could drastically change everything. Absolutely. Now, as you get older, I think sometimes that, that picture becomes a little more clear versus, you know, how many 20 year olds have no idea what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're just coming. And that's part of that process. But if you sat down and visualized, like, where would you want this to be 20 years from now? I think that was pretty profound that you said 2,000 employees. How many employees do you have now? 
well, employees, I only have, I guess there's four of us total W-2, but I have contractors. Right. So I'm how, And how many contractors? Who'd Three. You so you have seven, right? That's a pretty, uh, and not in a bad way, that's an ambitious to envision 20 years from now, I have 2,000 employees mm-hmm. that you have that. So a lot of folks, that's the question. Because now that doesn't come out from nowhere. There's something that leads you to have that vision, right? Mm-hmm. So with those 2,000 employees, we just keep asking, it's like a layer of an onion. We just keep peeling back those layers and asking more questions. So one thing, it's bookkeeping. Do you know, is there a household name for bookkeeping services? I don't think there is. I don't think there is either. Right. So why can't we be the first? Absolutely. I, th- I think uh, that's where you've also understood your market. You've mm-hmm. understood the, the industry. And also you're leveraging that there are brand name in other sectors or industries. Yes. So why isn't there one in this one? Right. And why not become the de facto right. go-to? Exactly. Absolutely. So absolutely. In fact, I think 2,000 could be a conservative number. It could be. Well, and then the question is franchising models. Do you, there's a oh, million there's a different lot ways of different that you could strategies. expand and, yeah, Definitely. And, and, and grow hand over foot. But franchising, and that I guess is a whole other topic, but yeah. you lose a lot of control. I guess someone great. If you ever want to. Have you ever seen that. the movie The Founder? No, I haven't seen that. Okay, you got to go watch that movie. I have to look that up. Yeah, so there's McDonald's. It's about McDonald's, oh, okay. right? Right. Um, whenever they started franchising McDonald's, and there's one that's serving chicken and waffles. Mm. <laughs> now known as Chick Fil A. <laughs> Just kidding. But like, they failed at McDonald's, so they created their own restaurant. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just saying, like that comes. I feel like when you franchise, you're babysitting. Possibly. Obviously, that's an entire model, but it could be very rewarding and profitable, especially if you had set it up in a way. I'm not saying it's not, but is it something... It's a completely different management and operations strategy that's completely different from running it yourself. But I will tell you, there are... I just met a business owner last week at a networking meeting. Uh, She has a business that she created about 17 years ago, and she is now a franchisor. Mm-hmm. Because she realized her exit strategy was franchising gave her the freedom of creating a great idea, being able to replicate that idea and sell that idea without losing the equity of the idea. And for her, it was a great method. And she's been franchising multiple uh, locations and businesses from that. And for her, that's part of her exit strategy. I think strategy. I've gotten a little disillusioned with this because I have a number of clients that are franchisees. Right. right. It's a franchisee when you buy the franchise. Yeah, franchisee is when you buy it. Franchisor is the person who is owns the idea okay. and selling the okay. franchise. So franchisees. So I talk to a lot of franchisees that have bought this franchise. Oftentimes, it's people that don't have any prior business experience. Right. I and that's s- not just specific to the franchise, but no business experience right. in general. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, a lot of people in this situation that think they want to get into business and they think the best way to do that is to buy a franchise because a lot of the model is already there and it's like, in their mind, plug and play. Right. right? So you have a lot of that. Um, now, there are franchises like Chick-fil-A where the, the, the process for getting a Chick-fil-A franchise is... Like probably more rigorous than getting in the CIA. Like it it is very difficult to get a Chick Fil A 
but that's why they're so good, right? right? Because the owners have been vetted to the hilt, right? But the flip side of that, especially if you're a new franchisor, is... Franchisee. No, or or, selling. Selling, If you're selling the franchise, a franchisor, the flip side to that is if you have a Chick-fil-A vetting process and you're brand new trying to franchise your business, who is going to go through that? Well... I can tell you, it, they, it just experience of working with businesses that there's some that could care less whether that franchise actually is successful or not. Well, and I've seen that. Because, and this is where because whether it has success or not, they still earn the income from right. it, and they actually retain all of the rights. Right. So even when it fails, they inherit a failed business and they can just sell and replicate. I'm oh, not yeah. re- recommending that as a strategy, but it's hard to give a carte blanche experience of franchisors and franchisees when there's a lot of different motives involved. And, Absolutely. And I think a lot of times you have to, uh, we talk about expert of advisors, you need to find a franchise sure. expert or advisor that knows that either if you're on the franchise, franchisee side, I know a, a, a great franchise expert that that's all she does is help her clients. She's, she calls herself a professional matchmaker. Because as you mentioned, a lot of times it's the right fit of what I want to do. I have got money. I think I want to start a business. I don't have a lot of experience in it. You want someone who goes, I know exactly who you are and basically what you're trying to achieve. And I have, I am very familiar with the entire industry and the different types of franchises that are available for you to purchase and they find the best fit for you. It sounds like sometimes folks didn't even get matched up right. Oh, I would agree with that 100%. And then also, there are also other folks that just don't hustle. Like, I think that's part of it. Of course. They're like, oh, this should be easy peasy, not realize. No. Yes. You're buying a business right. to go work a business, right. not to just, I'll buy it and it's going to make right. me money. There's no easy right. money. And I see all these different franchisors that give varying levels of support to their <laughs> right. franchisees, right? Exactly. Um, and a lot of times they're not getting the support they need. Sure. And I see pretty much in every case where I've had a client as a franchisee, they've become disillusioned right. with their franchisor. And then you start having loyalty issues because how can you truly sell what you're doing when you feel disillusioned with it? Exactly. How many, that's the question. I'm always astonished by with our networking groups. Once you really start getting to know people, then you find out, oh, you own a franchise of it. There's a lot of franchises in the networking community. Yes, there is. And I would have never guessed it originally. Yes. But as you get to know folks, Mm -hmm. you start realizing they say they're the owner they're the owner of a franchise. franchise. And that's a, not to belittle I mean, the owner of a franchise, yeah. but sometimes you realize, oh, there are other locations just like this. But yes. to your point, if they're not passionate about it, and I would also ask, they possibly don't have an end game in sight. Like they've just taken right. the business, they're right. trying to make it profitable, but they don't really know where they're headed. Right. They would love to end up in California, but they don't realize they're probably headed to Timbuktu. <laughs> right. So I no, think no offense to Timbuktu is probably a wonderful place to visit. I think my experiences with this have caused me to be disillusioned with the franchise model in general. Not to say that it can't work well, but I don't think I personally have it, any interest. Fit. Yeah, it wouldn't be a good fit at for this you. point. Right. And maybe I'll change my mind later. No, you're not allowed to. Everything's <laughs> permanent, set in stone. You know, I actually looked into Quick Trip franchises. Did you really? I don't even know if you know, know this about me. I didn't know. I didn't know Quick Trip were franchises. They're not. Oh, okay. I was looking into it. Are Bucky's franchises? I don't know. 
That's a good Bucky, question. Bucky's is probably oh, a great franchise. If probably it, so. I don't uh, know. I'm guessing not though. I don't, I've never seen a Bucky's that was slow. I know that <laughs> place all, is. It doesn't even matter if it's three o'clock in the morning. It's packed. And they're infamous. Uh, I was reading a blog that was actually talking about it was uh, some Penn Staters that were traveling to Florida and they had heard about this Bucky's, and it's a it's a wonderful little diatribe that he put forth, but. It was funny to also be, in, we're in Texas, Bucky's yeah. are commonplace. Yeah, we have I've got lots one, of Bucky's. I, I go there just to buy a slushie. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, it's Bucky's. But it's got such infamy across yes. other places that don't have Bucky's. And when they go there, it lives up to its reputation. Yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah. And there's quite a few of them because I travel down to Austin and San Antonio regularly. So there's three or four on the way there. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love Bucky's too. But I am a quick trip fangirl. Oh, yeah. QT all day long. Yes. I agree. Not, so, ra- not racetrack. Sorry. You're no. Great company. No. Quick not trip even all close. day long. Yes. Up in the north, by the way, they have two. There's a budding rivalry. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. No. Sheets and Wawa. It is probably one of the most heated debates, especially in Pennsylvania. How funny. Wawa is on the east. Sheets is on the west. And both are great. Interesting. I probably just. I, but I, do I just they live up to QT? If any of my friends are watching the podcast, I know I've just insulted some because they say <laughs> You did not choose a side. I choose both. <laughs> now, what about QT? Where do, where do they fit with that debate? Uh, I plead the fifth. Like, I don't want to insult anyone. But oh, that I, is I hilarious. I love me some QT. It's kind of, you'll like this. Uh, it's very similar to my kids. I, I coach soccer. My kids have asked me. They, they think I'm a soccer god. And I hope they never hear this podcast because <laughs> the truth will finally be revealed. <laughs> They've asked, Dad, uh, who's better? You or Ronaldo? <laughs> And my answer has been, I've never played him one-on-one. We, I can't really settle this debate. <laughs> that is hilarious. So they've said, okay, I guess he's got a point. He's never played him one-on-one. Dad might be better. <laughs> in about five years from now, reality will set in, and they realize Dad is nowhere even close. So it's going to take five years, huh? I don't know. I'm hoping. It'll probably I bet be, your kids be are smarter five than mo- that. It'll probably be five months from now. But... Back to your QT versus Wawa. Anyway. I, there aren't any Wawa sheets here, so I can't really make that debate. Oh, whatever. Anyway, I can't speak for the other two, but down here, it's about QT. So I actually looked to see if there QT were franchises franchise? yeah. because I was interested. I would totally own a QT franchise. So there are some cases. But then it's like, what if I did buy a QT franchise and I became disillusioned and I couldn't support it that would be very sad so it it might backfire on me that's very possible so anyway that's that's my franchise story we have gotten way derailed well it happens (laughs) when you have a good conversation it's so easy to all of a sudden go in different directions no it's not a bad thing so anything else you want to no i think if i was going to leave some final parting words i would say if a lot of the times when we we don't take the time a lot of time we don't take the time to sit back and really think about what what or why we're doing what we're doing mm-hmm. or what we really want it to become, whether that's business, family, whatever. Is the, and I think at times if you just take a breath, just stop. I, I know I was watching another video that she said uh, it was uh, Mialan Bialik, Bialik from uh, Blossom yeah. and, and yeah, yeah. How I Met Your Mother. One of her actually goals this or year. Or her most important show ever. Jeopardy. No. <laughs> Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. That's also a great one. 
Uh, but I think uh, Blossom was better than Big Bang Theory. What? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I, I get out. <laughs> so with, with her podcast, one thing she said was her goal in 2022 was just to, in the rush of moments, sometimes she's moving too fast, to stop and just breathe 10 times. Like in through the nose, out through the mouth, just take those breaths. So hmm. she goes, sometimes if I'm driving somewhere, I'm about to park the car and go inside, I just stop because I know I probably have an extra 15, 30 seconds there to just breathe That's and do good. that. And I think there are times that for now, uh, if we're thinking about our business and where we want it to be, just take a breath, mm. take 10 seconds, 15 seconds, just go, where do I really want this to go to? And kind of, if anything, I think it realigns why you do what you do if there's a reason for it. And once you have that reason, then go find the folks to help you get to that point. That's good. And it's actually ironic you say that because my health coach literally just yesterday told me I need to do more breathing exercises. You know, smart people think alike. Yeah, apparently. All right, so if people need to find you to talk to you, get advice, sure. coaching, authoring, speaking, whatever it is they need from you, where how can they find you? Yeah, excellent. Well, if you simply put, uh, I'm always available at a lot of networking things here, uh, but if you want to email me or call me, uh, be more than glad to answer any questions. Um, do folks normally share their contact info on here? I varying degrees. Sometimes it's just a website. Yeah. Sometimes they give their cell phone number out. You so know, I you know actually. And for how worried about stalkers are you? No, I know. <laughs> what I would actually recommend: look me up on LinkedIn. That's probably the best okay. way. Uh, LinkedIn Benjamin Gerald Audible FG, uh, and my contact information is available on there as well. Uh, and connect with me. Send me a message. Uh, if there's a way that I could be a resource to you, would love to have a conversation or, or pick up where our conversation left off here. I'm Lindsay Klein with Sakline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time and your host of By the Books. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Until next time, have a great week, everyone. By the Books is presented by Sakline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. For more information on Sakline services or to get a hold of Lindsay, visit sakline.com or email info at sakline.com. The information provided on this website and podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Sakline may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.